Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. You got a copy of the Word. Open up to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 17. We're going to finish this chapter today. I'm just going to give you a handful of thoughts that I believe will encourage you in this life that we live and in this place that we are. We've certainly been talking along the lines of joyful living. Man, joyful living means this. It means that happy state of being that springs from a right relationship with God. And in this book, Paul begins to unlock a few secrets, I guess, is what you might say for us. Unlock a few secrets of of how we can live joyfully. If that's God's intention and it's our decision, what are the things that we need to know to enable us to live this life with joy? Number one, he tells us we must have Christ as our source. Chapter 1 tells us He must be all you need for your every need. That He must be that thing you depend on, that that place that your life springs forth from. Paul said, for me to live is what? It's Christ. That's that's my aim. That's my source is Jesus Christ. Second secret is we must have Christ as our single mind. Chapter 2 encourages us to adopt the mind of Christ within our own thought processes. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Jesus Christ. And nothing less than a mindset of a servant is seen in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to live joyfully, man, one of the greatest secrets I know is become a servant. Become a servant of the King and become a servant of those around you. Thirdly, the third secret he gave us is in chapter 3. We must have Christ as our spiritual pursuit. Man, let knowing Him be the primary aim of your life. Learn to see Him. Learn to understand Him. Let it be your desire to know more of Him in and through every situation and life circumstances. Everything that life brings ought to teach us more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us understand Him more deeply in knowledge and in experience. And Paul says, man, what a secret. If you want to be joyful, man, begin to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. When you begin to do this, when you begin to pursue Him, Paul tells us that it begins to define us. Man, you are defined, listen to me, by what you pursue. Man, you are really defined by what you pursue in life. If you want to know what you're pursuing, look at who you are. And that will give you some insight into what's really out there that you're after. Paul says, man, we are children of the covenant. We are covenant people. We come today to celebrate at the Lord's table in a few minutes the truth that we don't live under the old covenant anymore, but we live under a brand new covenant, not one written on tablets of stone, but one that's written on our hearts, bought for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And man, this pursuit begins to define you as a covenant person. It begins to make a dynamic difference. How many of y'all could give testimony today that the Lord Jesus Christ has made a difference in your life? How you walk, how you talk, how you think, where you go. Man, He makes a change when He comes in. What a dynamic difference it makes when you're saved, but what a dynamic difference it makes when you begin to pursue Him with every frame of your life and everything that you're about becomes about knowing more about Him, about pressing forward higher and, and toward that call of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Today, when you begin to pursue him, I want you to see this. It begins to distinguish you. It begins to distinguish you as what I call citizens of the kingdom. It begins to increase, if you will, the contrast in your life. When people look at you or when you look at yourself, there ought to be something dynamically different. Something distinguishing about you in juxtaposition to this old world we live in. 
that people look at you and say, well, there, there is a citizen of the kingdom of God. We want to read verses 17 through 21 together of chapter 3, and we're going to note what I believe is the key phrase in this handful of verses in the first part of chapter, uh, verse 20. Let's read together. Philippians 3, 17. It begins this way. It says, Brethren, be followers together. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so. As ye have us for an example, verse 18, parenthetical statement, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Doesn't this describe the world we live in today? Whose glory is in their shame, and who mind earthly things. Verse 20, ah, yes. But our conversation, that means our commonwealth, our place of citizenship, if you will, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned, listen to this, like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things, Unto himself. Our citizenship, he says, is not in this world. Our citizenship is in a far better world. The kingdom of heaven. Fourth of July is coming this week. Man, we're going to celebrate, aren't we? Uh, Our nation's independence. The time when some men had some courage and stood forth and said, we're going to do something radically different. And we're going to make a change even if it costs us our life. And man, I tell you, you're looking at a kid that's highly and very patriotic, emotionally driven, yes. And man, when you begin to talk about America and the things that it means and the freedom that we have, it begins to stir something inside of me. Man, history tells us of the price that men and women paid so that we can be here as a nation today. History tells us of the heroic moments and the monumental conflicts of the great sacrifices. We as Americans have symbols that remind us of these things. Whenever I see a bald eagle, it stirs something inside me. Whenever you see the Statue of Liberty, man, doesn't it stir a little something inside of you? But I believe the greatest thing that we have today that stirs national pride and freedom may be the flag of the United States of America. There's something very special that happens inside us when we see that. I had an occasion to be at the Southern Baptist Convention not long ago. It was held in Baltimore, and there by the Baltimore Harbor, there's a fort. It's Fort McHenry. It's right there. It's the site of one of the most pivotal battles in the War of 1812. It took place, really, in the year of 1814. The British had come, and they'd sacked Washington, D.C., and they'd burned it. And man, they got in their ships and they sailed up the Chesapeake to assault Baltimore, which at that time was the largest city in the United States of America. And man, they came around the corner and began to encounter resistance there at Fort McHenry on the corner of that harbor. History tells us that for 25 straight hours, they bombed and assaulted that fort right there. All through the day and all through the night, relentlessly and mercilessly unloaded everything they had on that fort. With the dawn of the morning, by the way, they have a, a, not no small flag there, they have a giant flag there. It is 40 feet long and 30 feet deep, and beloved, you can see it from anywhere you are around that harbor. 
History tells us with the dawning of the day that the British uh, were beaten into retreat and took their best to get out of that harbor, and the victory was won. There was a young man on a ship nearby, on a peace ship, trying to negotiate a treaty, a young lawyer from Washington, D.C. His name was Francis Scott Key. And man, the dawning of that morning, he saw that giant flag flying over that fort still. And it inspired him to write the words of a famous poem uh, that we all know now, not as the poem he entitled it, but as the Star-Spangled Banner. And when he saw it, he wrote, Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched, you know it well with me, were so gallantly streaming. He wrote, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof, he said, through the night that our flag was still there. And then he asked a question, oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home? of the brave. And man, I stood there in that place where that happened, underneath that replica, that giant flag. And man, I did what I'm doing this morning. I wept. Oh, there were people around looking at me like I'd lost my mind. I'm sure they thought, man, has this kid never seen a harbor before in his life? But man, the impact of what took place right there the impact that it has in my life makes a difference to me somehow. I'm here to tell you, I'm proud to live in the United States of America today. I'm proud of what got us to the place we are. Why? Because I'm a citizen, beloved, of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Does she have some trouble? Oh, yes, she does. But I can't think of a country... In this world, I'd rather live in today. And man, I would ask you, if you're proud of your heritage and you're proud of the place you live, you ought to give the Lord a resounding praise because it's by His grace, by His mercy alone, that we live in this place today and that we enjoy the freedoms that we have and that we're able to come and to worship together in a house like this without fear of repercussion in this day. We ought to celebrate, beloved. We ought to. I will tell you, that means nothing, listen to me, to anybody who's not a citizen of the United States of America. That means nothing. That means something to me. Why? Because I'm part of it. I'm here to tell you today, there's a far greater battle raging right now. There's a far greater war going on right now. And that war isn't between Great Britain and the United States of America. It's a war between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. 
And man, I'm here to tell you that it rages boldly and badly today. It's going on, man, as we speak and as we sit right here. Man, we know that the kingdom of light and good and of the living God is warring against the kingdom of darkness and evil headed by our enemy. And beloved, I don't know about you, but I look around some days and it appears to me in my personal life and in our corporate life that the enemy seems to be winning on every hand. It seems that he's been bombarding every Christian and every bastion of the kingdom of the living God with all that he has, it seems sometimes that it might even be that we fail and man that we fall into the background of history. But I'm here to tell you no matter how hard he fights and no matter how mercilessly he besieges us and no matter what it might look like, I'm here to tell you that there's coming a morning, beloved, when the sun himself will rise once and for all and there'll be no more darkness and we'll enter a time of eternal light and eternal day and I'm here to tell you that when that sun rises that morning through the first beams of his marvelous majesty and his light and his glory I believe my eyes will fall not on a flag of stars and bars but they'll fall on the bloodstained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll have the victory in that moment most assuredly and the enemy will be vanquished once and for all and I believe it'll move the people of God to stand with one voice and begin to sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost beloved but now I'm found I was blind but now I see and the song says when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun we'll have not one day less to sing the praise of the Lord than the moment that we first begun. Beloved, I'm glad to be a citizen of the United States of America, but I'm here to tell you I'm more proud to be a citizen of the kingdom of the living God. And as happy as you are to be an American, it ought to move you today that you're a part of a kingdom that's far greater than any kingdom that ever existed on this planet. And if you're happy, if you're proud, if you're joyful today to be a citizen of that kingdom, I challenge you to get up on your feet and give your king a praise that goes far beyond anything you could give to the United States of America in this house today. For you see, that's a kingdom that has no end. That's a kingdom, man, that is ruled by the sovereign God of this universe, beloved. And I'm proud to be a citizen of the kingdom of the living God. Praise be unto God. You know what? To some folks, that's just religious rhetoric. To some folks, all that is is fancy talk. But beloved, to a citizen, a citizen of the kingdom, it ought to move you to your very core to think about Jesus and what he has done and making it possible for lost, undone men and women to be a part of not a temporal, but an eternal kingdom. I'm happy today, joyful, to be a citizen of the living God. You want to live with joy? Live as a citizen of the kingdom of the living God. It'll distinguish you when you begin to pursue Him. As someone who belongs not to this world, what a truth. 
If you don't get anything else today, you ought to get this truth. The world we live in today, the world we exist in for the Christian is not our home. The word says we're pilgrims and we're strangers. Paul says, man, don't you ever forget that your citizenship isn't here. Your citizenship's in a different place. In the kingdom of the living God. And we ought to live joyfully as citizens of that kingdom. In the time I have, I'm going to give you three thoughts. I'm going to let you expound on them today before we approach the table of the Lord. Number one, Paul says to be uh, joyfully living as a citizen. First of all, there's some things you need to do to emulate folks. There's some things you need to emulate, he says, if you want to be a citizen. Verse 17 says, man, be followers together. He says, all of you in one accord, follow after me. And also them that walk in the same way I do, you have us for an example. And if you're going to be a joyful citizen of the kingdom today, you're going to have to look around you and find some folks that are living that way and say, man, I want to pattern my spiritual life after them. How many of y'all could say today that you have somebody in your life that you look to? That you have somebody? Would you lift your hand? How many of y'all could say, man, there's more than one somebody's in my life that I look to and I say, wow, I wish that I could live the life just like that. Man, that's healthy. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look around. Look at me. Look at those who live among you. Look at Epaphroditus. Look at Timothy. Look at the others who you know live as citizens of the kingdom and begin to live like they do. That's not an egotistical statement. Paul knew well that we need to pursue after the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already taught us that. But man, our flesh needs some people, some things that we can concretely reach out and grab onto. I submit to you today, listen to me now, that you're emulating someone in your life. And you need to make it a person. Choose well a person who's living as a joyful citizen of the kingdom of God. He said, learn to emulate Choose well. Look for a master copy. Someone who you'll get the real stuff from. Not only do we need to choose well today, I want to encourage you to live well because you're living after somebody, but beloved, whether you believe it or not, somebody is looking at you today. Somebody is looking at you and what they're deriving about being a citizen of the kingdom is what they're deriving from your life, your attitude, and your experiences wherever you are. So not only do we need to choose well those whom we emulate, I can't think of anybody better than Jesus. I can't think of anybody better than the Apostle Paul. But man, there's some people in my life that I respect and love. And I choose well who I choose to emulate. But man, I need to live well on the same hand. I need to understand there are folks looking at me today. And what I do makes a difference in the lives of those around me. Paul says if you're going to live joyfully as a citizen of the kingdom, begin to emulate some folks. Secondly, he says eliminate some things. Look at verses 18 and 19. I'm giving you the core truths. I want you to go back and flesh these things out. Parenthetically, he says now there are some things that do not belong in your life, beloved. He says there are some things that you need to be aware of and just eliminate from your experience. If you're going to live as a citizen of the kingdom, there are some things that ought not be in your life. That's what he's saying right here he says man look there are those who are enemies of the cross note that he says there's not one or two he says there are many out there who are enemies of the cross who have chosen a position an untenable unenviable position of setting themselves up as enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ he says you ought to mark them look at them and those things that are in their life you need to eliminate from yours what does he talk about first of all he talks about their God he says their God is their belly 
and their appetite. They feed their own fleshly appetite. Man, they get all they can, he says, and they can all they can get. Their aim is to satisfy their lustful, sensual, physical appetite. Beloved, that really is their God. And doesn't that describe the world that we live in today? All people care about is what makes me happy, what makes me satisfied, and what can I do to have the best experience I can have on this planet, irregardless of what it costs other people. Man, their God is their belly, and that describes the world. That hits a little too close to home with me, because if I'm not careful, in a real sense, my God will be my belly. I got a gift the other day. It was a $10 Krispy Kreme card. You'd have thought somebody gave me $10 million. I mean, hey, 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 I'm excited. I'm, I'm planning how I'm going to use that $10 gift card, I'm here to tell you. If you're not careful, your God will be your own lustful appetite. Even in the house of the Lord, you begin to use the things of God to satisfy that appetite which is inside you. Paul says, don't allow that in your life. Secondly, he talks about their glory. He says it is their shame. He's saying essentially the things that ought to make them ashamed. Listen to me. The things that ought to bring shame into their lives, they're proud of. They brag on the things that ought to make them so ashamed that they run and hide their faces. Now, beloved, you don't have to look far today to understand that's the truth of the world that we live in today. And man, they're praising everything. There was a time even in my life where there were some things everybody was ashamed of. But beloved, that just isn't so today. As a matter of fact, the thing that's most shameful is the thing that people parade out there and they're most proud of and say, look, this is us. We are breaking all the taboos. We're breaking all the laws. And beloved, we're as proud as we can be of that. Paul says you ought to not have that in your life. You ought to not settle for that. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there are some huge things, but I'm even talking about the daily things. I had a guy come and tell me the other day. He said, Pastor, I was in Sam's Club not long ago. He said, I was down by the blue jeans. How many of y'all ever been in Sam's Club? And they see all those, man, they got clothes stacked up on every table in there. Good deals on them. He said, I saw a lady with my own eyes try on two pairs of blue jeans standing right in the middle of Sam. Stripped her britches off, put one pair on, thought that felt good. Stripped them off, put another pair on, thought that was okay. Put her original clothes back on and went up and paid like there was nothing in the world wrong with that. And beloved, that is the world that we live in today. The most shameful things they can do, they're proud of. And the counsel of the Word of God to us today is don't even allow those thoughts to enter your mind. Eliminate them from your life. Look at their mind. He says they begin to mind earthly things. That means their thoughts, their mindset has nothing to do with anything but the things of this old world. Aren't you glad that as a child of the king, my mind has some higher and greater things to be on? I'm glad that in a little bit we'll understand what Paul said. He said, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are well with you, let your mind be on those things. In the book of Colossians, he says, man, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this old wretched, fallen, sinful world. We look around and we see our mindset sometimes. I don't know about you, but my mind sometimes is consumed with the everyday life and the business of life and the things of this world. And Paul says, don't fall into 
into that trap, beloved. Let your mind be on the things above. There are some people you need to emulate as citizens of the kingdom. There are some things you need to eliminate from your life. But I'm here to tell you lastly, and I love this one. There's a posture that we need to adopt that we begin to anticipate some things. Look at verses 20 and 21. He says, our conversation, I'll repeat that again, is in heaven from whence we also look. We look. I love those two words. For who? For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will come one of these days, and he'll change our old vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the power that makes him able even to subdue all things unto himself. Beloved, I look for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word look means look with earnestness, patiently, waiting with great anticipation, if you will, straining to see, longing for something to happen. I have a, a couple of daughters. One of them is, a, is, is graduated from high school. Man, she's heading off to college this fall. If you've never prayed for anybody in your life, Pray for your pastor on August the 15th. I have that circled on my calendar. You lift me up that day. I'll move her in up there. I may stay up there the night of the 15th in a hotel around there somewhere. I don't know. But that'll be a big day in my life. I'm just here to tell you. Man, she graduated. We went up to the Civic Center to watch her, among others, graduate. And man, when they begin to play that song, uh, you know that you know the graduation. Uh, da, 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 da. I mean, they play that song. Everybody stands up. Man, there's nobody on their feet, and there's moms and dads and aunts and uncles, and every one of them's got a camera in one hand and a and a video recorder in the other. And man, they're leaning and looking and and trying to get one glimpse of their loved one as they come out. They don't know when they're coming or exactly when they're going to be there, but beloved. And they are ready. I'm here to tell you, I had to knock one lady down the stairs so I could see Rachel. I mean, hey, hey, I kicked her out. No, I didn't do that. I'm just kidding you. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. I'm here. Everybody jockeys for position just trying to get a glimpse of their loved one. And man, in that moment, the Lord brought this passage to my mind. And he said, Stace, that's how you ought to live every day of your life on this planet. How many of y'all believe he's coming one of these days? I'm going to ask y'all again. How many of y'all believe that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is one of these days coming? We ought to live, Paul said, looking, straining, anticipating. We ought to go down the road bending out the windows thinking, man, it could be now. I don't want to miss it. If it's him, if he steps out in this instant, man, we ought to, if you run outside during the service, as long as it's looking for the coming of the Lord, it won't bother me one little iota. We ought to look with every fiber of our being and expect him to return. Man, if you're going to live as a citizen of the kingdom and live joyfully, you have to learn to anticipate the fact that he is coming again. What's going to do he's going to bring some change into our life listen if you think insanity will change you or p90x3 will change you beloved nothing's going to change you like when he shows up because he's going to take this old vile fallen sinful aching body and he's going to transform it into a body just like his that'll never get tired that'll never grow weary that can eat all the donuts it wants and it'll never get fat praise be unto god He's going to change it, not into a body of somebody else, but a body that's just like his glorious body. 
Man, I'm telling you, he's coming to change, but he's coming as a capable Savior. I love those words in verse 21. You ought to circle them. He is able. And every battle you fight in your life, you ought to bring them to your mind. Listen, I serve a coming king who is capable of doing anything that needs to be done in my life. The word says he's capable of placing all things under his feet. And it'll be by that power and that authority that he brings that change into my life. Happy, joyful citizens of the kingdom. I'm going to give you one more chance to shout before we head to the Lord's table. How many of y'all are thankful today? How many of y'all would say, Pastor, I am proud today not to be a citizen of the United States, but to be a citizen of the kingdom of the living God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give him the glory, him the honor, and him the praise in this house for what he has done to make it possible for us to be rightly related to him in such a way as that. Praise be unto God. Amen. We come here today, we come soberly. We come very reverently. And we come doing this in remembrance of what he has done for us. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.